The Last Word with Matt Cooper. So we're going to talk about cars and we're going to talk about electric vehicles in particular. And I'm delighted that Michael Sheridan is back with us, our ever-reliable motoring journalist. We also have with us Maeve Reynolds, who is co-founder and chief executive of Go Pluggable. And I'll explain what she does in just a moment. But Michael Sheridan, first of all, something I was saying to Ian Geidner recently when the car figures, sales figures for 2023 were revealed. Something like, was it about 122,000? thereabouts Matt yeah, yeah. So it but was, that's much smaller than it used to be in the Celtic Tiger years yeah I think we were over 200,000 we were 220,000 was it at, at the, at the peak of century. the madness um, and then the industry said that ideally if everything all ships were floating high 160,000 would be perfect for the year I think the industry <clears throat> would be delighted with 140,000 so they're over the moon with 120 last year and it's only going to grow because the supply issues that we had last year, that famous semiconductor issue that affected the whole world, everything electronic, that's all been resolved. So uh, the supply is there and they're hoping that everything is on the up and because um, Europe and our government has scared the hell out of everybody and says you've said you've got to get rid of your uh, fossil fuel burning car, get into an EV, people are going into, into, into showrooms and buying buying EVs. Okay, but what's the breakdown at this stage in 2023 and what's the projection for 2024 when it comes to petrol, diesel, hybrid and electric? Well, fossil fuel is still king in terms of of pure numbers, so petrol and diesel still rule. And in Ireland, um, it it will probably be one of the last to completely embrace the EV thing because rural Ireland, which which is a case in itself where if you drive in rural Ireland... Electric cars at the moment really will not f- suit your needs. If you do any sort of higher mileage, live in borings or back roads, we've so many places which there's no commercial interest in servicing those with high sp- high speed charges or anything else like that. And in your day to day life, you will need to use your diesel and your petrol. So diesel and petrol, it's not going away. The stopgap in the meantime is hybrid. So there's there's this phrase electrified. So a hybrid is electrified. Then there's two types of hybrid. There's a the hybrid which we know Toyota has promoted for years, which is a petrol automatic car that uses a certain amount of electrification to reduce emissions and delivers a lovely, smooth, clean driving um, experience. Then you have plug-in hybrids where you can actually plug in and charge up a rechargeable part of that battery, and you can do modest mileage as an EV on its own and have the engine as a backup. Great news is coming this year, we'll have bigger batteries in the next generation of plug-in hybrids coming and you'll be happily able to do 90 or 100 kilometres in electric-only mode in your plug-in hybrid and they'll be coming later this year and they'll have an ability to charge quicker. In fact, they'll have batteries which are as big as the original or even bigger than the original EVs which came here in the first place. So in the in the pecking order, we've got sort of petrol, diesel, then we've got battery electric vehicles. They're called BEVs. We Everybody calls them EVs. These are car, cars which run only on uh, electricity. So they have a rechargeable battery, varies in size. It turns an electric motor which turns your wheels. Sometimes you have got two motors which turns front and rear wheels. And they're very efficient, lovely to drive. They need electricity. When they don't have electricity, they don't go. When they have electricity, they are brilliant because at the point of use, there's no emissions coming out of the tailpipe. So in cities, around schools, everywhere else, there's no um, um, people faux coughing or whatever else, despite newer diesels and newer petrols being pretty green and not that polluting. But the funny thing is, I was talking to a colleague only recently, the car you already have, well, that carbon has already been written off. So just maintaining it and running it and fueling it as normal is far more efficient than buying a new EV and kinder to the planet. Because 
its original offset of of how it was manufactured and everything else. That's the worst damage has been done, is it? Damage has been done, and just to maintain. Sorry, does that also then mean there's a lot of damage in the construction of the electric vehicle itself or the hybrid? Absolutely. Well, there's tons that go, (laughs) literally tons of 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 stuff that goes into any producing any car. So you've got steel in all cars. The, the mining of precious metals and uh, particularly cobalt, which is a which is a key in- ingredient in rechargeable batteries, it helps a battery have really good power delivery. And if you if you use less cobalt, your battery doesn't give as much oomph. Um, and like you've got the Democratic Republic of Congo, seventy percent of the world's cobalt is, is is coming out of mines there. It is needed. Um, some companies are doing a very good job at reducing the amount they use. Like Tesla only uses about three percent in each of its battery packs of cobalt. But there's yeah, there's there's a lot of sort of perceived environmental evil in the production of an EV. But when you get it and you use it um, and you drive it, it's a really pleasurable machine to drive. They're all automatic. The electric motor is really really efficient. Um, and, you know, they're whisper quiet, but no, key thing is there's no pollution coming out of the tailpipe. So to use in an urban environment, if you live and are, have the luxury to live within a city or a large uh, urban area, EVs are the way to go. And in fact, if the government decided to say it is mandatory to have an EV in a city, I would have no problem with that at all. Okay, Jack in Killarney says, electric cars are only suitable for urban drivers. I've asked John Gibbons to recommend a car that will take two people in luggage from Killarney to Dublin Airport in one charge. Until such time as that happens, I have no interest. And I'm someone who installed solar panels as far back as 15 years ago. So let's bring in <laughs> Maeve Reynolds, who is co-founder and chief executive of Go Pluggable because Maeve, there's a couple of things I want to ask you about. Range anxiety and charger anxiety. Uh, this is for a lot of people believing that their car, electric car, won't go far enough for them or if they go somewhere they won't be able to find a charger to actually uh, recharge the car. And I'll just give you an example. I was at a funeral down in New Ross and Wexford last weekend and friends of mine travelled down in their new electric car and then they discovered that when they finally found a charging point to charge to come back. It was a three-hour charge before they could get back in their car to return. Maeve? Range anxiety is something that comes up a lot um, with EV drivers that we speak to and a lot of people who are on the fence, of course, with buying an EV. I think it's heightened, especially when travelling between cities and towns and those more um, rural communities, just as as Michael said there. Um And we recently did a survey there amongst EV drivers um, and 62% of which um, stated that they have felt range anxiety in that case of travelling between cities and towns. I think the main thing is um, range anxiety is heightened when someone doesn't have access to charging from home, especially. Um, Whereas with home charging, you're pretty much guaranteed to be able to plug your car in overnight or when you're not using it. Um, And the, the challenges particularly come in when someone cannot do that. So if they live in a rented house, a home with no driveway, or um, an ho- apartment, of course. Yeah, this is one of the big problems, isn't it, as well, for perhaps even a lot of younger people who might be environmentally conscious who want to buy one of these cars. But if they're living in an apartment block which shared maybe underground car parking, or if they're restricted in where they can park outside, it can be very difficult to actually have the charging point to do what they need to do with a car. Yes, of course. I mean, we have did research that um, 
just up to 40% of future Irish EV drivers actually won't be able to charge from home because of those reasons as well. And and this is a big barrier to EV adoption, um, which is unfortunate because we speak again to so many EV drivers and they absolutely love the experience. Um, so that's really how our business concept came about to really level the playing field. So, so just explain what it is you do. Of course, yes. Yeah. So Go Pluggable is essentially an Airbnb for EV home chargers. So the idea is that someone in your community who owns a home charger can rent that out to you. Um, so they make a passive revenue and you, as the person charging, can plan your charging slots in advance with someone in your community. So, for example, I have an electric charger in my front driveway, so I could actually allow somebody to come in and plug it in and charge them to cover the cost to my electricity bill plus a margin on top of that. Absolutely. So a host defines how much they want to make um, per kilowatt hour um, based on the whole experience, and it's all conducted through our smartphone app. Um, we just went live there before Christmas. It is a, a pilot version at the minute, um, but we hope to have our first paying customers by the end of this month, so we're looking forward to that. Michael Sheridan, what do you make of that idea? Well, I had a quick look. The electricity isn't cheap, Maeve. Um, if you go on, I saw somebody's looking for a quid per kilowatt. That's a, that's a bit steep. <laughs> that's more than you'd pay at an Ionity charger if you didn't have an account. Yeah, I mean, it's early days for us. Um, a lot of it is just testing the, the grounds at the minute. And as I said, no transactions have taken place yet. Um, and we are working with our beta users to kind of come to terms with what suits them best and what they get value out of it with the whole experience. In fairness, um, it, is, it is a brilliant idea, Maeve, uh, because... Matt, we've only um, we've circa 5,000 public chargers between all the various different suppliers. We've recently only recently had big players like Apple Green Circuit K come in with their own charging network. So the access to getting to a charger is the, is the key part. We've been stuck so many times. I've, I've been countlessly stuck in various places trying to get to a charger. You can get onto the charger. It can break. You can be in a queue. An app can say a charger is free and then you come along and there's three cars just pulled in in front of you. So that's the biggest worry and the stress that people have. And I suppose being able to book this through Maeve's app uh, is a really good idea. Yeah, because Maeve, it does strike me, anytime now if I'm out of Dublin and say if you pull into a hotel or maybe a golf club or somewhere like that and you now see a couple of chargers and you say that's great, at least there's a couple of chargers and then you realise, well... Are you going to get access to those charges because they're already in use and there's a queue for them? So that would suggest that there is perhaps a market for people who have invested in their off-street parking to make it available to others at a price. Yes, absolutely. I mean, where we want to be in the next year even is to have a sort of business solution for Go Pluggable in that private businesses um, such as gyms, office, um, parking areas, can rent out their private chargers to the community as well. So they're optimising revenue on chargers that they've already invested in. Um, and also it provides greater charging options for the community. Because if you consider an office space every weekend that has um, a charger for its employees, those chargers aren't being used in those closing hours. So it doesn't make sense that that infrastructure isn't being fully utilised. And maybe as well because of their bus- being businesses, they might have three-phase, so they might have more electricity available to charge with because... With any of these private homes, they can only charge it up to seven kilowatts, 
which is yes. fairly fairly slow. It's plenty for, you know, two hours. We'll have your plug-in hybrid fully charged up if you wanted to use it that way. And it's certainly enough to get you where you need to go because so many people say they fall short on the commute that they can't do there and back uh, without having to stop for a charge. But sometimes just an hour uh, or a top-up here and there will give people enough range to get to where they need to be. Because again, we've got that thing, everybody has, there's a whole new language and technical stuff that people don't want to learn but they have to learn with EVs like you know your range in winter is going to be a lot less than your range in summer you know on all of these type of things which are very frustrating for people and there is nothing worse than being stranded and stuck without your car being able to work when you don't have electricity. Okay, Maeve Reynolds from Go Pluggables, thank you for joining us. We have a number of comments from listeners. I have an EV, but I live in a rented house in Drogheda where there was one fast charger for a town of 40,000 people. Five slow chargers, two provided by a supermarket. The government delay in providing or incentivizing charger infrastructure is slowing down the roll-up. Now, that's one major issue. The other issue in the time we've left with Michael, I want to talk to you about, is the price of cars. EV prices, are they falling because of the new availability of Chinese brands that we might not even have heard of a year ago? Absolutely. It's a massive contributor to it. It's also a case of the car companies scaling up. Matt, years ago we talked about just a handful of EV cars being available in Ireland. Now there's over, there's just about 90 EVs you can buy on the market. There's Chinese brands like MG who came here um, uh, and now BYD, which is a huge company in China. They've brought in a car called the Dolphin, which starts at 25 and a half grand. And it's the size, the interior size of a Golf sort of polo size. It'll seat five. That's a critical price point because it's sub 30 grand. Before, we had all the early adopters who were keen to buy into their cars and the average EV price was 55 grand, 60 grand, 70 grand. A a luxury car would be well over 100 grand. So they're driving the price down rapidly. They're scaring the living daylights out of the European car industry because they're so scalable. And also you've got Tesla coming from the other side as well who are realising that they need to shift product um, and their way of selling cars directly to customers through the internet with no middleman in between has helped them reduce their costs and they've been slashing their prices and that's also been driving down price and this is a good thing because it means cars will get into the hands of your average motorist. Okay but this still is the case isn't it that an EV is more expensive than and your it's equivalent diesel or petrol, petrol is. And However and are there savings on the running costs oh, to- so that'll make up the difference? Yes totally and it's all down to doing lots of frequent high mileage because believe it or not the more mileage you do in an EV the quicker it pays for itself and after you know people say it can be as little as three years depending on the size of the battery the the overall cost if you do your maths you can be nearly running a car for free fuel after five years so but now, what, very, about, very what about the costs of things like replacing tyres? This has now come up as yeah, a big no, issue. It's, it's probably the, it's the little one that's hidden because general servicing, servicing costs are less because an electric motor is a very simple thing. It's just a load of wound copper wire, really. It's the same thing. You have, yeah, it's your washing machine. Whereas an engine is about 4,500, 5,000 components all trying to blow up. Um, and it has to be serviced and maintained and lubricated with oils, all of that dirty stuff and everything else. Uh, so the EV will run, and uh, in general, it's possibly cheaper uh, um, to, to maintain, but they tend to be heavier because of the battery pack. This is harder on tyres. They've specialised tyres that are unique to that particular model, and people get a shock when it comes to replacing their tyres because all of that joyous, brisk acceleration 
every time you accelerate hard, you're leaving a thin layer of your tyre on the road. You're also half <laughs> ripping up the road as well, literally, because you're creating friction to make your, your two tonnes of car move down the road. So tyres can be a real surprise to people um, with EVs. But in every other sense, it really is... A, a, you talk to EV owners, they'll be evangelists. But the people who are missold an EV car when they should still be giving another hybrid or a diesel a go if they're particularly living in rural Ireland they can be very bitter about the whole situation Breda in Nina says we have an EV, you were talking about range anxiety we found it very useful to use apps that show where chargers are, especially the faster chargers, yes. also in using Google Maps in the car it'll give you a percentage of what will be left when you get to your destination yeah, the, we love our EV, the she The cars says. are getting very high tech um, uh, and the thing the, you know, the trouble is with people who love their EVs and have made them work and done their homework, if they end up getting two EVs, you'll find that they're nearly using all of the house electricity at night time when they're trying to charge. And if somebody puts on the electric shower, the charging ramps down because you only have about 15 or 16 kilowatts available to your average home. And if your charger is taking 7 kilowatts and putting it into a car, it can be an issue. But yeah, buy an EV with uh, with your eyes wide open. They're utterly fantastic. Buy an EV without a charger at home or controlling as many controllers as you can and you may be in for a rough ride. Because you need off-street parking or Absolutely. you need underground parking in an apartment block, whatever. Listen, we're over time. Michael Sheridan, thank you so much for being with us. Maeve Reynolds have been with us from Go Pluggable. We'll be back with the 5 of 5 after this. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.